Welcome back to War Council, a hobby-centered podcast about gaming and gaming miniature production and painting. My name is Edward Winterrose. I'm Shane, Mr. Meticulous Jenkins. And we're coming back to you with our regular segments, or at least what's becoming our regular segments now. We're going to have what's new on our production desks, as well as what's in the pipe. We're also going to have an interview with Fallout Hobbies. We're going to have a bit of a talk with Hunter about ogres in Warhammer Fantasy given that I wrote that article on the blog just a little bit ago, and I'd like to hear a little bit what he has to say because he's one of our resident lore masters. What was the title of that blog post? Uh, the Noob Looks Into Ogres. Okay, okay, just want to make sure. Because <laughs> I am the noob. I am his noobness. Your royal noobness. Yeah. But we're going to have a couple of shout-outs as well, and maybe one other thing, too. We're going to leave that as a surprise. Anyway, we'll be back right after this. Hey, Steve. Morning, Frank. How you functioning today? Can you give me a sit rep? Negative. I'm having this awful dream. I'm at work and I can't wake up. <laughs> I'm afraid this is real as it gets. You got your coffee on? I've had two packs. No good. This is just on Wii. You know on Wii? I uh, know it's not our standard loadout. Are we authorized for that? Probably not. What's on the agenda today? Eh, same as always. Guard the gate. Don't get killed. Any heroes today? Well, I was at the bar last night, and there were some strangers asking questions. Oh, now see, that's never good. Right? There was a local lady there, indigenous, had their attention, all boo-hoo-hoo, and my poor husband in the prison, and it was self-defense and those tyrannical occupying forces. You think they bought it? Man, I could practically smell the overtime in the paperwork. Man, there's a Blood Bowl game on Tridio tonight. I got money on this one. Oh, with the CO? Nah. Last time I did that, I got stuck with cleanup detail at the back entrance. Now, see, there's something I don't get. Why do these hero types always assume they can sleaze their way in at the back? Do we have a habit of putting noobs and morons back there or something? I mean, do we hang a sign? <laughs> Please attempt your clandestine entry here. Enhanced bluff conditions present. We don't train them well back here. Well, they do take deliveries back there. That's where your average hero is going to want to smuggle themselves in. Well, that's my point, isn't it? I mean, they know that. We know that. They should know we know that and think of something else. Something we wouldn't think of, you mean? Something so unthinkable we wouldn't even consider it. So something stupid, then. <laughs> what you think? Burying up into the armory from underneath? Halo jumping right into a guard tower? Walking up the gate and saying, Hello, I'm a murdering hobo. Please arrest me and put my stuff where I can find it after I bust out of your strongest cell. <laughs> okay. This is waking me up now. Thanks for that. <laughs> Perspiration negative, Squatty. What you go f Oh, hello. Perimeter alert. Really? You got telemetry? Yeah. Wow. It's a straight-up assault squad. Any idea on their loadout? Uh, it's versatile. 
A little bit of something for every occasion, it looks like. They look pretty confident. Not being sneaky about it either. ETA. Well, they're coming in at flank. I call player one. You know, functionally, there's no difference between the controls, right? I like the Terminal 1 controls. They're more responsive. What, just because I got a higher body count that time? Console 2 is laggy. Yeah, not according to maintenance. Oh, they're passed out a marker. I'm weapons hot. Haven't popped the cannons yet. Wait for it. You know, this is pretty unthinkable. Frontal assault. I suppose it is. Okay, we've got a solution. Hit him. Poppity pop pop pop. Yeah, leader's already down. Really? Yeah, uh, apparently he was the leading the charge type and... <laughs> yeah, oh man, this is not working out well for them. Let me have a look. Oh, damn! Yep, I am not doing cleanup detail on this. You sure? That one looks like he's got some pretty cool gear. Yeah, what good is it if it's covered in dumbass hero glop? <laughs> I suppose. So you done? Well, they're done. Did you run a timer? Yeah, it looks, uh, 13.7 seconds. Aw, oh, hell yes. Read it and weep. Put it on the board. All right, all right. Don't be a cath nozzle. Says you. I got the new best time, and that means I get Friday off early. Maxine's off this Friday. Nice. Yeah, make him twice as dead, and I'll call it in. Smearing the corpses now. They're not getting back up after this. You ever do a detail with an outfit that didn't bullet the corpses? Nah, not for long. All it takes one stubborn guy who doesn't know he's dead to get back up and just ruin your day. Especially if he's got grenades or a dead man switch. Right. Five by five. Ooh, that one had some explosives on him. Oh yeah, I heard that one go off from here. Did you get video? Yeah, I'll post that on the boards. He blowed up real good. Hey, who needs coffee, right? Oh, I still need coffee. But now I'll drink it with a smile on we terminated. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, baby. It's a great day to pull guard duty. Here's the thing about when What's New Pussycat plays. Okay, this is the segment we're really trying to come up with names for segments and use them regularly. This is What's New This Month. Real simple name, right? Yeah, right. Anyway, oh, oh, ogres, yeah. But as far as we've got coming out this month, we finally have the release of the Sisters of Battle. After much looking forward to this coming out and much pre-ordering, they're finally going to be out this month. There was so much excitement about this, and it was really cool to see the little pre-release at Nova mm -hmm. with the Priestess, but I feel like Games Workshop almost took too long in between, like, hey, here's this thing coming out, and then there's all these other things. So like, I feel like the, the hype around it died down a little bit. I think they let too much space go in between so, I think with this Sisters of Battle thing, there was a whole lot of hype around when the pre-release was announced and that model that was introduced at Nova Open this year. And I feel like they took a little too long to bring it to fruition to where everybody could get the whole box set because I feel like some of the hype had died down. 
more to the point, I feel like, and this is looking at it from outside, I'm still coming into it to a large degree, but I'm seeing all these other things I was writing blog posts about, the Auric Battle Tome, the Ogre Battle Tome that we'll talk about in a moment. We've got all these different things like the Cave on Strike and the Raven Guard release, the yep. Salamander yep. release. Yep. All these things from now to back in September when they announced the Sisters of Battle at Nova... And honestly, I feel like they kind of undercut their own hype with all these other new releases, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there was there was so many things that were introduced between then and now that it kind of pulled some of the limelight off of, off of the ladies that are coming into battle, you know? And I mean, that's it's an incredible set of models. They're, they're beautifully sculpted. They, you know, Games Workshop did a great job with these models. They've got some really cool loadout options. Uh, and they just, I mean, who doesn't like to paint females? Now, that said, in the month in between, they did talk and release word about the Sisters of Battle tank that's going to be coming out as well. Correct. And we had added plenty of greebles and bits to our own tanks right. for these guys, but the one that's coming out is actually quite a, even a bit more than we did. So we've also got the new Ogre Battle Tome that's coming out this month. And that's this got the new Maul Tribes in it, right? Yeah, we've got both the Gutbusters <laughs> and we've got the Beast Claw Raiders. Gutbusters. Oh, that, it's just like it sounds. I was doing a blog post on these guys and the Gutbusters are nothing but eating and eating. Just anything savages. they can find eating. Yeah. So, not so much savages, but... Eating is their primary concern, and as well as it's going to be for any ogre. But you've also got the Beast Claw Raiders, who aren't so much tromping all over the place looking for anything they can eat. They're riding beasts all over the place like Mongol hordes, oh. attacking from cover, attacking from the darkness, and from whiteout conditions in a blizzard. And here's the kicker. The blizzard that they're attacking from is always with them. They bring it with them. Interesting. The Everwinter, it's called. So ogres actually have that much power. Apparently so. They're a cursed race, or at least they consider themselves so. That's something I read about, too. They used to have homeland and everything until the hungry god, or the maw, hit straight center in the middle of their homelands. It sounds to me like Games Workshop was making a sort of oblique reference to the Tunguska meteor strike of 1908. Right. I know Carl Sagan theorized it was a comet. Right. Or a tiny piece of one. But it blew trees outward for miles around. You could hit, feel the blast from this impact all over the world. Hmm. And this is what happened to the Ogre homeland. And ever since then, I mean, there were some of them that trekked out there and looked down into the mall, and it was nothing but a miles-deep pit ringed around with muscle and teeth. And ever since then, ogres have had this never-ending hunger that they just cannot seem to sate. They actually worship this pit now. That's interesting, because you always think of ogres, you know, from most fantasy realms as just kind of the big, clumbersome mountain folk that carried a big, you know, the big the big log. Like and Yeah. So that's interesting to find out that they've actually got some power that they can draw from. It is. I mean, they used to be a culture, as far as I'm aware. I mean, they used to have friendly relations, well, somewhat friendly relations with neighboring nations, at least until 
some of their kids started going missing, and they started looking at the owners like, where's our kids? Mm, mm, fuck, I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> but they're... What kids? It's actually considered or suspected that the neighboring humans may have called down that strike on their homelands, and that's what happened to them. That's okay. why they consider that they're cursed. Okay. Okay. So what, what else have we got uh, this coming down the pipe? We've got this great big box set of Dark Uprising from Necromunda. Now, have you seen this thing? It's like the biggest box set of anything they've ever released from Games Workshop. Now, I, I, I've been noticing a lot of chatter on the interwebs about how it's $290 retail. Ugh. Now, <laughs> My heart. that is expensive, yeah. but... There's a lot of terrain in that box. I did see the screenshots of that. There is a lot of terrain. I mean, there, there is there's easy, there, there's probably easily three hundred dollars worth of terrain in there. Very very cool box set. It's it's expensive, but you know, I mean, we're paying three hundred dollars for playstations nowadays, digital or analog in, entertainment. I don't think about it as so much a game console. I'm thinking, all right, do I want to get some miniatures this month, or do I need to make my house payment? <laughs> this Dark Uprising box set, I really am digging the fact that GW is starting to look a little more into the Necromunda because a lot more players are looking into the Necromunda, getting into it kind of just as just a little change of pace from the 41st century kind of a cyberpunk feel, a little gutter, you know, down doing that kind of thing. I was actually doing an article about Necromunda as well. The noob looks into Necromunda. Right. But I was always getting a bit of a Shadowrun feel off of it, which I really still want to play. It was a refreshing change of pace from the ongoing dogmatism and zealotry of the 40K campaign settings. Right. And the constant war or anything like that. This isn't so much galactic war between factions. Exactly. This is that same war, but in micro scale between factions in a city that are kind of supporting that war. Well, and like you said, you know, cyberpunk, but it's it's a lot more on the grimy, you know, um, to use the word grimdark. You know, I, I think it can transfer over to this exactly. Grimdark. Um, so this box set. It's looking really good. Got some factions, but the terrain is what is, it really sets this box set apart. I know it's expensive, but you know you're you're getting almost that much money in terrain alone. Yeah. And we know here at White Metal Games that the Necromunda stuff looks incredible. You know, Brian, the head of our terrain department, he is a huge fan of Necromunda, so. Uh, he's actually been starting to turn out some Necromunda terrain that we're going to be selling on the store. Okay. Speaking of things that we're actually turning out, I know that we've also been doing some new videos. I know we've got tutorial videos for the new Beastgrave set. Absolutely. We've where... got we've got a lot of new video coming out lately. Oh, yeah. I know there's also another three-part tutorial series that Preston just put out That's where right. he's doing Inquisitor Eisenhorn. Yes, yes. The first of which you can, of course, watch for free on our YouTube channel, but you can also 
have a subscribe and get into our premium content and look at the other two parts as well. Yeah, that's actually, it's a really cool tutorial series that he did on Eisenhorn, everybody's favorite love to hate him character. And it's Preston really goes into some really cool concepts and, and really explains getting into the painting of this specific character and how to bring him to life. Like you said, the first video is open to see kind of how Preston gets it prepped and, and ready for basing. But then if you want to get, catch the highlights, we invite you to be a patron of our video subscription service, which is going to be on whitemetalgames.com forward slash videos. And I'll talk about that a bit in the service announcement later on. As far as video about Eisenhorn goes, you'd know there's like a television series in development. That there is, and there's there's so much chatter on the internet about it right now. It's 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 interesting because there's the dynamic of okay, cool, we're going to get a television series about the the 40k universe, but there's also uh, I've seen a lot of chatter about people worried that it's going to be too quote unquote Disney like. Well, it's not Disney doing it; they haven't found that's a true. network. That's why that, that's why I said Disney like. They haven't. It depends but, on what network it lands on, doesn't it? Well, I, I, I've seen people referencing um, the World of Warcraft movie just kind of being a little cheesy. And honestly, I enjoyed the hell out of the World of Warcraft movie. I loved movie. that movie. I, I thought it was a great movie. Now, I know there was one other video that we did, and that's Sea Hunter telling us, or at least <laughs> attempting to tell us, about how to kitbash tree forts. Yeah, this video... Y'all, y'all have to go watch this video. It's on YouTube, um, and go, yeah, it's War Cry Tree Forts, you know, DIY Tree Forts, something like that. How it to is, Kit Bash Tree Forts is there how it is. Okay. It is hilarious, y'all. Um, Literally, Hunter, our videographer came to me and said, oh, you have to see this. This is three minutes of pure joy. It's so funny. Um, so the, the thing was, was that Hunter was supposed to sit down and do about a 40 to 60 minute video about how to kit bash some tree forts. Well, apparently he was completely tongue tied this day. And what you will see in the video is the result. No, th- this is done with the utmost respect. We're not going to diss Hunter here. because No, no, Hunter's we love awesome. Hunter. We've also got some new things in the rental store. We've got some things from Goblins of Mordor. Michael Mordor did us some monsters from classic D&D. Incredible artist. If y'all, yeah, I know everybody knows who Mordor is. Did us a Shambling Mound, did us a Beholder. They're both up for rent, and you can go look at them in the store right now. That Beholder is beautiful, and that that blue, it just pops so much. There is one other thing you want to look at in the store if you can find it. Okay. The Mural Knight is there. This great, big, fieldable mech of mass destruction that Preston did. All freehand work and all these different paintings all over its pauldrons, its legs, its arms, its head, its back. It's just, I've never seen work on that par before. Yeah, yeah, the Mural Knight has um, finally come home kind of from its summer tour. 
Amazon uh, tour. Pre- Preston put in so much work. We put in so much work into into this model, and it's been entered into several of the conventions that we've gone to. Actually, actually, we were waiting on two online competitions that it was entered in to find out the results from that. So they still haven't announced yet. That is correct. They still have not announced those yet. Awesome. Um, and so yeah, the the mural night is back home, and it's actually up for sale. I saw it was we marked don't want, down to $1,500 for this thing. It was originally 2000 We don't really want to sell it, but it's such a beautiful piece of art that we don't want to not offer it for and sale. And you couldn't rent something like that and have it back slightly Absolutely scratched no, or damaged. No, it would be heartbreaking. No. no for, for most everybody that's listening to us, and if you haven't, the Mural Night is an incredible model. Like Edward said, every single panel on it is hand-painted. Um, you got freehand faces, there's quilt work, uh, there's battle scenes on the shoulder pauldrons. It's just, it's a really, really cool model. Has won, I want to, I believe three or four awards so far. Literally, this thing looks like a walking equivalent of a cathedral ceiling from the Renaissance. It, it would definitely make the Emperor very proud. Yes. Yes, yeah. I'm, I have to imagine it would. And that just about does it for what's new at White Metal Games. We should have another segment like this in the next episode, but for now, stay tuned. Welcome back. This is what we're going to be calling What's in the Pipe, essentially all the stuff that's going to be coming down or things just coming in this month for us. Yeah, that's right. What we're going to start off with is we're going to be talking about some of the awards that Preston has been getting from the past few conventions. Um, picked up a couple medals, a bronze and a silver in two different classes at Nova 2019. And you can actually see those over on his profile page, right? That's absolutely right. Um, We actually made a post when they got back a month or so ago. And also, hot off of Dragonfall two weekends ago, we're very proud to announce that Preston took best in show with his Creature Caster Krampus bust. Oh, nice. Now, see, I hadn't actually heard that yet. That's right. Um, Won an actual, uh, a couple Creature Caster models and stuff, but took home the the coveted Dragonfall Axe that is awarded to Best in Show. And so that was a big win for Preston and a nice little embellishment on White Metal Games. A nice bit of macaroni in our caps. Exactly, exactly. Another ribbon for the wall. Speaking of awards, I'm hearing that one of our clients, Paul Winters, has been taking some awards himself. Yeah, actually, this army that we've been building for him for a while has been grabbing up awards all over the place. Uh, He's mainly up in Canada. I know he medaled at the Attack X convention that was there recently. Some of the newest additions that we've given him are the Muriel Sabathiel model that is kind of the newest lead of one of his squadrons because we gave him about probably about 30 or 40 just different Slanesh demonettes. And on top of that, we also did a creature caster spider demon for him. Now, I want to say I saw some of this stuff in the last few months. Also, along with this project was the Forge World Keeper of Secrets. So there were a lot of really unique 
models and characters that we were able to put into his army that now Paul's got, we've been working with him for years. Okay. And he's got just a massive army of all these, these Slaanesh Daemonettes and these incredible characters. If you want to see all of the models, go to our Flickr account at White Metal Games. Searching for what? Search Winters, and you should be able to find the majority of it. All right. Now, Brian Reese is still working on this really big cathedral set that he's working on for the new Sisters of Battle release. Back to the Sisters of Battle. So I was actually talking with him last week directly, and you can hear that in the last episode, where he was working on that great big steam organ for his cathedral. And I saw him doing some of that, and my wife actually works on, or rather worked on, steam organs with her dad. Interesting. We actually had a concert at our wedding where people played that at a local theater while we were on stage getting married. Actually steam-powered, though. Yeah, actually steam-powered. Wow. Straight-up pipe organ. Yeah. That's cool. But this one is going to be all Warhammer-fied with the player actually cybered in in front of the keys, and it's going to be something awesome to look at. But we've been putting up pictures of some of the finished work piecemeal, and eventually I imagine we're going to have a photo shoot with it all together with the finished Sisters of Battle once we get them inside it. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, last Terrain Tuesday, Brian posted up pictures of that organ player And to date, that was our most popular post that has been on Facebook, on the interwebs, everything. Um, Nice. And so many people were interested in it. It just goes to show the mad scientist kind of style that Brian brings to the table in our terrain department. What we've got coming up video-wise, as far as tutorials, I know we're going to have Ryan working on some of Death Watch armors and power weapons. I think that was the Death Watch um, that we did for Rob over at Spiky Bits. Mm -hmm. That big marathon painting session. Huge. That was awesome. There's going to be tutorials coming out of that. All right. There's also going to be some tutorials from Preston about doing urban camo that the kind of urban camo that comes from Fallout Hobbies. Right? Kind of that urban digi camo. Yeah, right. that is um, that we use the stencils from Fallout Hobbies. Incredibly well made stencils. They stand up. A nice little square that you can kind of just lay down on the cape and, and, and work it. Yeah, they, they've got some really cool stuff. I've seen that kind of square stuff referred to as mosaicing. Yeah, yeah, very true. Especially when I've got people doing, like, say, the Urtel Enterprise kit, where they're doing all the slightly different textures on the top of the main dish. I've actually seen a few people use those digi camo, that urban camo stencil, up the cloak, and they pixelate it as if it's a light transmitting, kind of like the Predator armor. There's real stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know they're they're definitely developing, but I'm saying that I, I've, I've seen some models where people have taken those Fallout Hobby, that, that urban camo, and pixelated it to look like it's starting to fade into... That's exceedingly nice. Exactly. And as far as that goes, you can actually see what Ryan or Preston are doing if you tune into their Twitch streams on our Twitch channel, of course. That's right. We, we stream many times a week, almost two times a day. Almost it, two times a day. You Monday can see shows like Preston's Values, Married with Minis, Caleb's Kit Bash, and Terrain Tuesdays. And, of course, we've got a beginner stream as well. I know Hunter's going to be on the next beginner one. And I actually asked Ryan if I could paint one. 
after yeah. that? And he said, yeah, so yeah. I might be actually getting in with an airbrush myself at some yeah. point. You'll yeah. see me on camera, or at least you'll see my hand. Yeah, typically Monday through Wednesday, we like to kind of keep to the technical side because, you know, people are, you know, they're just in the beginning of their week and they just want to wind down and, and maybe learn some tips and tricks, you know, from Hunter, learn how to kit bash or from Preston on Wednesday evening to learn, you know, some real award-winning tips and tricks. And then Thursday and Friday, we kind of like to keep it a little more loose. Um, sometimes we'll crank every single one of the cameras in the studio on and just, you know, like you're hanging out with us. Like for the Death Watch thing or actually just for hanging out while everybody's doing their own projects right and that's on twitch at white metal games tv and if you miss something it's not like you got to worry about it because we we'll always have the stuff that you can go back and look at like when they did the death watch army recently when they did the blood of the phoenix box set as well as that azathoth thing we reviewed last episode oh i can't wait to see that oh i'm looking at the finished one it's over on a shelf right behind me here in the studio and I'm impressed all out of hand by what Preston did to that. I mean, the, as much as he's winning awards for stuff at all of these shows he's going to, now imagine that talent applied to an Elder God. Yeah, that's what's sitting behind me. And those eyeballs are freaky. Oh, yeah. But that's it for what's in the pipe right now. We're going to get into an interview with Fallout Hobbies in just a moment, actually, about some of the things they've got coming up for this holiday season, yep. as well as their new site, chaptercustomizer.com, awesome. where you can kind of see some of the things they've got planned for that and the directions they really want to go. It's, it's, it's a nice laid out site. It looks good. Absolutely. If you've got something you want to apply to the chapter of Space Marines, you've got either Chaos or Imperium. I think you've got your site to get what you're looking to customize it with. Anyway, stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. So... In the interest of complete oversharing, we had a lovely time having an interview with Ron and Jules at Fallout Hobbies this week. Everything seemed to be going fine. We even checked the new software, and it all seemed to be recording quite well when we listened. Unfortunately, when we listened to the test, we only listened to an excerpt from them. And when we finished up a whole hour later, we found that we'd only recorded their end of the conversation. So rather than go back and steal a whole nother hour from their lives, we thought we'd play you excerpts from their end in answer to the questions we had. That's near as damn it, right? You may hear a every now and again. That's just me working audio editor magic to string their comments together as necessary without me hearing mine and Caleb's end of the conversation. We asked them to introduce themselves. I'm the owner, so just call me the stencil guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I primarily Cute. I do a lot of the customer service. I also have been doing um, our veterans program. Uh, we have a painting commission program. I man the wholesale program. Um, I also have been picking up because we're overwhelmed with custom design work. So uh, I've been helping around with that too. Girl Friday, I guess. Uh, you could call me resident nerd girl at Fallout Hobbies. Resident okay. nerd girl, yeah. And then we got into who or what Fallout Hobbies is and about for those of you out there who may not be familiar with them like we are. All right. Well, um, 
uh, Fallout Hobbies, uh, we've been in the game for a couple years now. Primarily, we started out selling uh, airbrush stencils and water slide decals uh, and custom design service. That's a big aspect of the of the company is that we do custom designs for people. But um, we've expanded to so much more beyond that. At this point, we have LED kits. We have weathering kits. Um, we have basin kits, 3D printed bits. We're going to have actual like resin bases very soon. So a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on there. And what kind of clientele do you tend to have? I get a lot of guys from other demographics, too. I get a lot of paintballers. I get a lot of uh, I get um, traditional like military model makers as well as, you know, war gamers. I get a lot of sci fi model makers um, using the stencils for alien spaceships and whatnot. Uh, the main thing is, is it's it's tools that people can use to customize their armies or their projects and make them unique. We asked Ron to tell us a bit about stencils and how he got into them. Yeah, we do have a million camos because we started launching in between sizes for people that build mecha models and Gundam models and stuff like that, too. Well, it's kind of the thing. I mean, you know, I've been playing, I've been building models since I was a little kid, sci-fi models since I was a little kid and larger figures. And then when I got into my 20s, I started doing war games. And now that I'm in my late 30s, you know, I've kind of been around the block a bit with that, with the hobby community. And it was one of those things where as I was working on projects, I'm like, man, I really could use this airbrush stencil to get this effect. Or I was like, wow, I really wish like they had a good like LED kit out there so I could light this up and it not be like a pain in the butt, you know? So it's kind of like anytime I design a product, I mean, half the products I design are because I'm working on a particular army or project and I'm customizing it. And I'm like, you know what, this would people would want to buy this afterwards so i'm like all right why not just make it a product for the store too like the like the mecha stuff the gundams i mean all the camo patterns that i've designed are because i just love camo patterns so i you know i've done dozens of like gundams with different you know flectarn patterns or traditional camo patterns or digi camo patterns on them and then you know that just applies right over to imperial guard or space marines or anything like that well, it's it's all about saving time. So pretty much all the products that I create are like, how can you customize something, but also how can you save time? Which is one of the reasons that we have a lot of commission painters, such as, you know, your guys' service, as well as others that um, use our stencils all the time, because, you know, time is money. And if you're doing a very large project, then you can achieve an awesome effect in, you know, a fraction of the time. Why not? You know? And did it surprise you how the ideas you had for stencils got used by your customers? What happened, which kind of like uh, blew my mind a little bit, is when I initially designed any one of these given stencil patterns, I had a very, uh, or decals or what have you, I had a very specific um, job in mind for it. And then going out into Instagram or Facebook and seeing other people use those patterns, but in different color schemes for different armies. I'm seeing things that I designed being reused in so many different ways that I never imagined before. And it's, it's kind of amazing to see it like take on a life of its own, you know, and see how people can, you know, 
I mean, I've seen people use the skin effects stencil for like very weird patterns that I never thought of before, you know, or using like uh, the digi camo patterns. But instead of like your traditional urban digi camo, it's like bright neon like digi camo, you know, just like, you know, just seeing it reused. So you got some pretty unexpected uses for these. Well, especially with Dark Eldar, guys, because, you know, Dark Eldar, everything's supposed to be unique, you know? Like, every, even if you're within a cabal, every vehicle is supposed to be custom, you know? There's not really, like, supposed to be a ton of uniform, uniformity. So having, like, the multiple, like, tribal pattern stencils that we have, and, like, um, I see a lot of Dark Eldar players using skin patterns on things like the sails, but then using the tribal patterns on the hulls, they've been popular since day one uh they're they're very well used and where can people go if they'd like to see some of the neat things people are doing with your stencils uh well it's just hashtag pop fallout hobbies on instagram the facebook group is uh fallout hobbies customer creations and that's uh that's that group's been around for a while but we've been reviving it a lot the past couple months and getting more interactive with it and one of the things that i've been using it for is kind of like a uh, test bed before I launch a product. I'll run it through the the folks that are on the customer creations page to get opinions and feedback and tweak stuff out a little bit before I make the final product. So it's cool for that, you know, I get a little sneak peek of what's coming up. But uh, the customer creations group is a great place where people can just, you know, share what they've done using our products or get inspired from each other or whatnot. What's the question you're getting the most about the stencils lately? The one we get... Hair dryer. Can you use a hair dryer? That's the recent one, yeah. <laughs> people, for some reason, people have been asking if you can use a hair dryer on the stencils. I don't know why. I mean, they might be thinking, if they haven't used the products before, they might be thinking that they're more of a rigid material. But our products are a flexible, self-adhesive vinyl, the stencils, that is. So you don't need to... I don't know why people were asking about hair dryers. That's that's interesting. But the number one question every day, at least a dozen times a day, is are your stencils reusable? And see, I'd want to ask if they were reusable. Are they? Yes, yes. They're reusable multiple times with care. Just take care of them, you know, don't manhandle them and don't throw them in a pile of dirt, you know, so that the... <laughs> And are there any neat tricks or hacks to kind of draw out that usable life? Yeah, uh, people use the negatives, too. That's why I don't, I don't peel out the negatives, because especially with things like digital camo patterns, people can use the panel or they can use the cutouts. It just depends on their... I actually did a video about that on our live stream. We, we do uh, live streams on Facebook every Tuesday, and I think about three live streams ago, I was uh, doing the DigiCamo 2 pattern on some MDF terrain, and I was showing painting two ways. I was showing the same, I was showing two panels, the same stencil, but painting one way using the negatives and painting another way using the, uh, the positives. And how in the end, you basically get the same result, but it's more or less just a question of preference, how you prefer to do it. And then we asked a question about some of the bits they were producing, specifically one about the creepyish doll-like evil elf heads, and not elfin, like in Poison Elves or Elfin Cookies. To, to answer the, the question about the evil elfin heads, um, 
Well, we're running a couple 3D printers in-house right now, and um, I've been just designing bits left and right, and there's a ton of stuff that's in the pipeline and stuff that's recently been released. The Eldar, uh, the evil elven heads were something that um, was kind of a personal project for myself uh, because I'm working on a, some various... Uh, Dark Eldar faction. So the one heads were kind of based on like the Malachis Dark Elves from, you know, um, from the MCU. And by MCU, for those unfamiliar, we're talking a bit about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In specific, the Svartovar from Thor 2 The Dark World. I just thought it was awesome because, as, you know, a uh, long standing Dark Eldar player, to see something on screen cinematic that resembled like you know the the GW army i was just like awesome finally some some sci-fi space elves that's what i wanted to see you know you don't really see stuff like that all the time you see sci-fi soldiers like in every damn movie but you don't ever see like sci-fi space elves you know it's a little it's a little different so i was just happy to see that you know but uh i thought the masks were cool i thought they were creepy you know they had this elegance but like coldness at the same time and i just thought it would be perfect to make uh, a head sprue like that oh yeah well that was uh you know like i said i was just happy to see some cinematic evil space elves you know with lasers and black hole grenades and stuff like that so I mean, they had black hole grenades, like, in the movie, you know? I was like, that's awesome. So, uh, but the masks themselves were just, like, elegant, but very creepy and dead-eyed. And, you know, I just wanted to make a sprue of heads that looked like that so I could use them for my own guys, you know? So going along with that stream of thought, is it your preference to go in directions bits-wise for factions that you don't normally see on the tabletop? Or maybe factions you don't normally see accessories or options for. Well, that's kind of the whole, like, a lot of the bits that I have coming out in the near future are supporting the the lesser-known armies. I mean, I, I'm not releasing any Space Marine bits in the near future. You know, I'm releasing things. I, I might release some Chaos Space Marine ones, but there's a million and one bit shops that make space marine stuff there's more than enough for that but there's no one that makes you know um biomechanical surgical arms for racks and homunculi which is one of the bits that i'm working on right now like just a sprue of creepy arms with syringes and scalpels and claws and stuff like that and people can use that for dark mechanicus dark eldar just across the board. So things like that. Also, the thing is, and this this might be a little bit of a fault of my own, but if I'm not really into something, I don't want to work on it. And that kind of leads us into options for customers who want to find options or bits or decals for not as well-known chapters in Warhammer. And that gets us to chaptercustomizer.com and the options we can find there. Tell us about that. Chapter customizer is strictly just for chapters and the fanboys that want those chapters. You know, it's very specific. Like chapter customizer is very specific. It's literally just the obscure chapters. Um, all the artwork on there is mine. You know, I redrew it. So it's not like an exact duplicate. It's a variant, you know, but it, it is... Um, all the 3D, uh, I have, you know, shoulder pads, doors, decals, stencils, 
for a lot of um, the lesser known, more obscure chapters. Um, and, you know, most of them have variants. Or even if you wanted to use, like, say, an icon that traditionally would have been in black, I offer it in white. And you could use that same icon for, like, a custom chapter or something, too. And I already, you know, have... You know, there's like a million chapters that use a raptor head, for instance, or there's a million chapters that use like a pair of like crossed swords or a skull or something like that. So, yeah. So having all those options on there, there's a lot of room to, to work with in there, you know. We do have some new stuff coming out on Chapter Customizer on the 15th here. Yeah, we do. We have uh, t there's 10 new chapters that we're adding. So for each one of the chapters that we're adding, it's... Um, shoulder pads, doors, airbrush stencils, and a decal sheet. And we're also adding um, doors that are, you know, for repulsor size vehicles for everything for the like 40 something chapters that we have on there. So a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff is getting added on the 15th to chapter customizer. And are there other satellite websites where you're doing this kind of thing as well? Well, and I also have a third store, too. I also have Spacenoid.biz, um, which is all Gundam aftermarket products. And I have 3D printed kits for there, too. You know, so I'm targeting different demographics with the different stores. And then we asked if you could maybe tell us a bit about some of the stuff you've got coming up for Black Friday and the holidays. Well, we have the basing kits that just came out yesterday. They're pretty cool. Yeah, it's skull piles, man. Just you can't go wrong with skulls and bone piles. They're universal. Uh, but we have other designs that are in the works, too. I don't know if they'll be out by Black Friday, but we got like some, you know, elven statue ruins and uh, ruin, you know, Corinthian pillars and stuff like that as basing kits coming out. Plus, we have the actual our first round of resin bases coming out very soon. They're at production now with uh, the Magnet Baron. His guys are casting them. Um, so that's going to be very exciting. We have new equipment coming in this week that's going to allow us to do more color options for the decals, including like more metallics and things like that. Um, so we're going to have a revamp of most of our decal products by the time Black Friday sales start. Um, so there'll be things like you'll be able to get like, you know, chaos stars printed in metallic gold or like elven tribal in metallic gold or metallic silver, things like that. So there's just going to be a lot more color options in the very near future for everything, including custom orders, which is a big thing. We're revamping the entire custom order process because we're going to have so many more options in the next two weeks for that. As far as Black Friday goes, we're going to have, you know, 15% off both stores and we'll have we'll have an option where if people are placing an order with both stores that we could combine shipping so they don't have to pay shipping twice or whatever. We also uh, will have probably some more bits out by then. I'm working on servo arms. Um, I have like a good version and an evil version, chaotic knight styled weapon upgrades, which if you're on the customer creations page, there's previews of the designs that i've got on there already so there'll be a few new kits for those and uh just a couple more stencils and decals just to kind of fill out the line there's things that people request often so i just try to fill it out when whenever i get a couple of requests in you know we're all, we're launching a new dragon scale pattern in the very near future that's one of them 
some Greek detailing, Greek alphabet has been requested a fair amount of time. So there's a Greek alphabet sheet coming out. We're just constantly adding stuff. And do you find yourself with a pile of custom requests? I mean, a lot of them are just things that like I hadn't necessarily thought about, but someone will just ask for it and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'll, I'll get right on that and add it to the store. But like I said, we always do custom orders. So, you know, we, we do a couple dozen custom orders a week right now. Um, and Jules and I have been trying to tackle that as fast as we can. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a great option because there's not a lot of guys out there that will do custom design. So and we get some interesting requests. Like, um, recently I designed up some like, you know, alien pinup art, or we had like a Monty Python themed. There was a Monty Python the yeah. other day. No, so. some of them are very, are very, very fun. You know, do you have people sending in their own art or run into any problems with that? <laughs> Most no, no. Like if someone orders like custom decal sheets, there that's their own property. The only time I would ever make something like that publicly accessible would be, um, say, like a new book came out and there's like an obscure chapter in the book, and like all of a sudden I'll get a handful of custom orders in for the same exact thing. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this is just something that's not available yet. So I'll make that available. But as far as, but if anyone, I mean, there's a, there's a confidentiality thing. So I don't resell other people's designs for their custom stencils. And how quickly do you find you can get custom orders turned around and in your customers' hands? If they have a specific hard deadline for a tournament and say it's like within like three weeks, I will get it to them within that three weeks. And just as long as they let me know that. The, what I say for the standard turnaround time is like five to six weeks. There have been times that I have screwed that up. But there's also been plenty of times um, with, with a lot of clients, especially recently now that, well, you, you got to understand that for the longest time I was the only designer. Now Jules is, is helping and she's doing about a third of the custom orders herself. So we're moving things at a much faster rate than we were, say, like six or even eight months ago. Um, so now there's a lot of jobs that we're getting, the jobs are coming in, we're getting them designed and proofs back to the customer within a week and then wrapped up and out the door within two weeks. I mean, that's not a bad turnaround time for custom, you know, handmade. And we're actually exploring many more tech related options for streamlining that and making it faster in the future. So it is something that we're very aware of. You know, we're trying to get these turnaround times even faster. But I mean, we are only human and we are designing everything by hand. So <laughs> it does take a little bit of time. Honestly, with custom requests and your preference and passion for more obscure and underused chapters and factions and subfactions, it's not like you're going to run out of stuff to do. It sounds to us like you've really got your niche here and... That's got to get to a point where you have to find time to do it all. Oh, there's a lot. There's I have ideas like out, you know, I, I have trouble falling asleep at night sometimes because I'm just coming up with like new and new stuff. And then sometimes I get like kind of like, you know, there's there's the manual labor of the job, too. There's literally shipping orders and mailing orders, which we're doing multiple days out of the week. So it's a balance between 
you know, making sure that the machine is moving and that everything's getting shipped on a on a timely basis, but then also taking that time to design new stuff and keep it fresh because um, one of the things that happened before the before we like restructured the store and I brought help on, there was a certain point where I was having like almost no time to design new products because all my time was spent fulfilling orders. And and that, you know, it, it, the irony of it was it was a business that was formed out of my own creative ideas and I didn't have time to be creative and come up with new ideas. So yeah, that happens. I mean, it's it, and you just got to restructure, you got to bring in more help, you got to delegate workloads and then things start smoothing out. I mean, Jules has been a big help, you know, and she's been I'm here two days a week basically right now. But she's also like handling customer service emails and, you know, she's got a, a you know, a very friendly demeanor, so people like <laughs> talking to her. So, it's but she's incredibly more organized than I am. So she's been just keeping everything flowing and moving like a well-oiled machine. Well, we do. And we also schedule times to game, too. Oh, yeah. We just skirmished the other day. Yeah. I, and that's that's part of it, too. I mean, we're, we're selling all these wargaming products. You have to schedule time to actually enjoy the products and know what the hell is going on out there in the community and keep up with things. You don't want to get, like, rusty. <laughs> and who won? I did. Yeah, she won. Although I'm not sure how to take it because I held back one of my units and I kind of ran away. <laughs> but I, I was saying if she was ever captured by terrorists that they would give her back because, like, sh you know, she does all the things that, like, the terrorists would just be like, come on, really? Why are you why are you doing this? Come on. <laughs> so if you're able to game and stay on top of all the plates you've got spinning, it seems like you're in a really good place. Yeah, I mean, we got a good team now. You know, there's Jules and I. Simon has been here since the beginning, so he's keeping the tech aspect locked down, and he's uh, doing, you know, the the Instagram uh, customer support and just keeping the conversations going over there on Instagram. And you know, the way we sponsor a lot of events, um, both uh, nationally and internationally. We throw up sponsorship all the time for different like local tournaments and stuff like that. We're just trying to really just keep it all moving, keep it out there, you know? So was there anything else we wanted to get into before we started winding this interview down? Any other products or projects? I think we, I, I mean, we, we discussed a lot of the new stuff that's coming out. I mean, what, I mean, I'm personally excited about a lot of things that are happening. Like for instance, like I said, we got new equipment coming in that's going to allow us to do more, um, color options with the decals there's i got a couple personal projects on my plate right now that are going to benefit from that like i'm doing a new dark eldar army that's going to have you know bright gold tribal glyphs all over the vehicle is very gaudy and ostentatious but very eldar at the same time so i'm excited to have the equipment in to do stuff like that and uh Make sure you sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of www.fallouthobbies.com. And we do have the live demos every Tuesday. The at live 11. demos have been very fun. We've Eastern been doing standard time. Yeah, we've been doing those at 11 on Tuesdays, EST. And 
those have been very fun because we're doing the demo. We're doing demos of different things and I'm talking about tips and tricks and um, people can uh, ask questions in the comment feed and Jules will read them out and I'll answer them in real time on the video. So, you know, I'll stop to address like people's individual questions or show them a trick or something like that. Um, so that's been very fun, you know, just to get that like nice, like weekly interaction with people. And finally, tell us a little bit about your commission painter and veterans discount programs and how to take advantage of that and the website address. Uh, you can go to our website. We have at the top of the menu, a, a link for the commission painting program and our veteran reward program. Both are a 15% discount and you just fill out a form and I will send a special um, code with your account that only you can use. And uh, it's it's great. We, we've had a lot of uh, positive feedback from mm -hmm. those two programs. Especially with the veterans reward program. Um, you know, just giving back a little bit or giving a little discount where we can. And, uh, you know, that's that's gone over tremendously well. And uh, the Commission Painters Program, how many Commission Painters do we have signed up now? A couple, oh, couple dozen at least. Our last count was like definitely over 30. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, if you're a Commission Painter and it's, you know, a source of income for you and you have, active media channels you can go to the website fill out the form and get a discount code it's uh falloutHobbies.com. yeah no of course yeah falloutHobbies.com, and then in the navigation bar there's a there's a page for the programs for the commission painters program and the veteran rewards program and that was really it for the interview i want to thank ron and jules for taking the time out with us and for being patient with us, given that we're getting into the new software and couldn't record our end. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back after this. Oi, got some squig-off steaks from Mackin's Eggs for Gorg. That you? Yeah, just take some in the back. <clears throat> Oi, that's racist. You can't say that round Bimpak, right? He gets this look on his face like he wants to cry and he's no good for the rest of the day. Uh, oh man, when are you going to get him a girlfriend? You know, he could use a hand. Can't find the right gig for him, can I? Well, look, were you having a race then? Yeah, straight race this time. We had some real tenders to go first this week. Ought hope we get someone to take fright, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like that green atom fella. Yeah. Or, or caught me twice as big as sound. Yeah, that, that's funny. That was funny, yeah. When's the next round of that? Oh, yeah. I like them better. All that jockeying and grinding and crumping. Right, right. I, I, I mean, uh, you know, 10, 17 days from here. Oh, I, I, but that's why you were right. I always like more tasty bits from my junk around her, huh? You know, around a guy I met. Yeah, I mean, well, it's tasty bits, and then it's tasty bits. What comes out of it around it, right? Yeah, uh, speaking of bits, oi, what's so special this week? Well, I didn't get pick at a wreck this week. No one wants the chewy bits, what's in a wreck anyway, right? <laughs> one could say Gog got a consignment of meat, right? <laughs> Gog figures he can bring back the barbecue sandwich this week until the meat runs out. Came across a little produce, did you? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oi. Your fella back there says he can't find the squiggy bitch. They're in the back. 
The squiggy bits are in the back. The squiggy bits are always in the back. If there ain't no squiggy bits, you grab some squigs and you make more squiggy bits. And then you tell him, the next time he asks me that, I'll make him into squiggy bits. And <laughs> you have to get yourself a new fella in, don't you? Well, one'll be along soon enough, won't they? That's a nice thing about our rock, isn't it? There's always new folk eventual like, right? <laughs> oh, you had that right, go. It is our rock, isn't it? Gorks wise, he tells you true. He's... I'm here with Hunter right now. We're going to talk a little bit about ogres because the ogre battle tome is just coming out. Hmm, it's, it's already come out, actually. It's already come out. Okay. It was, it was very recent, though. I keep getting it mixed up what's on pre-order and what's actually out. But, I see. Yeah. So I did an article on the ogres earlier this week, and I wanted to kind of get your take on them. Because typically when I'm typing, you're right behind me, and you'll mention stuff like, well, I know I was doing a thing about orcs and one of them particularly he was running a restaurant and talking about how the different races are good to eat and you're like no no that's ogres really i says and i look it up and yeah that's ogres are true i mean tell me about that so in terms of lore and in the old world some of that most of that's still consistent with the age of sigmar most of our audience knows that there used to be a setting called warhammer fantasy battles before age of sigmar uh, and then there was the whole uh, end times, of, the whole the whole end times event. But more or less, all the races that we know and love survived, except for maybe for two, at least two. Uh, one of which was very near and dear to some people's hearts. But maybe more on that in another episode. Okay. But the ogres seem to have remained mostly the same. They're always hungry. They accept payment in gold and meat. Yeah, they'll, they'll pretty much fight for anybody. Now, I understand they're, it used to just be meat, but they've now just sort of discovered, oh, money is useful too. <laughs> Not quite. That was also consistent in the older editions. Like, the ogres are by no means stupid. A lot of them are just uneducated. Like, they don't have like access to a higher education due to their tendency to just eat anything that isn't an ogre and sometimes other ogres. They can't really develop any kind of fixed civilization anyway. They're mostly nomadic. They are. I mean, there's some nomadic civilizations in real life that are are quite sophisticated. But and for these guys, they're more or less roaming cavemen with, that found their way out. Basically hunter-gatherers. They're literally like the hunter-gatherer archetype. So some of these bright-minded figures that are able to make their way in the world are referred to as man-eaters. You've seen, you may have seen some of the models where they're wearing like very fancy clothes or very or look like yeah. they come from far off lands because they have let out their services to places from like across the map and come back with all that experience, wealth, and cunning. Are actually passing this down to their brothers and becoming more of a they're, sophisticated people? I don't know for certain. I think they're more just like they're like legends among the ogres. Like they're sort of like these heroic or these mysterious figures. Think like your RPG party member. Does your uh, barbarian uh, raised by snow giant, frost giants pass down his teachings to the townsfolk he meets? No, he's just wandering through. He's there for his uh, for his grog and his whatever. Any experience he passes along is incidental. For the most part, yes. Ooh, uh, look what grog do, you know? Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. So, I mean, it's very possible that some ogres, a lot of ogres have actually 
incorporate other elements from the uh, the tribes they ransack or conquer. I was getting a real vibe of the steps-dwelling Mongol hordes when I was reading yes, it. Yes, there is a strong similarity to that. That or the, uh, the Huns. Yeah. They're very... Because in-universe, the ogres are seen as a very terrifying enemy. And on the tabletop, they are. Because they have a wealth of wounds. They've got a decent armor save, from what I can understand. Uh, disclaimer, I don't actually play Age of Sigmar. I've observed it from a distance for a while now. Okay. And I have been getting into games of Warcry, but that's not exactly the same game. Well, looking at some of the pictures I've seen of some of the minis and the artwork where you've got this advancing phalanx of giants, or at least half-giants, mm-hmm. and they've got distance weapons that I imagine they got from other races, but some of these are essentially walking around carrying cannons that, like people would carry rifles. Yep. They're carrying around these these siege-quality siege cannons filled with the axes and swords and other weapons of people they've defeated <laughs> and just blasting them back. I did see one wearing pirate clothing. Mm-hmm. That was a man-eater. And he was wearing crossed flintlocks on his hips, but these guys are huge. This must have been more like crossed elephant guns on his hip. He probably had them custom made. Again, once some of these managers get so rich they're able to afford their own tailors and blacksmiths that would make wherever they sense. go. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else I ought to know about them before we kind of wrap up? We're, no, we were just going to do a short thing here. So, they weren't in the old world, they weren't quite as hunger-driven as they used to be, as they are now. There, there's an event that happened during the Age of Sigmar that basically gave them, like, this, like, endless hunger that... The, the Maw Strike. Yes, that. And so they worship the Great Maw, this giant hole in the earth that seems to devour anything that goes down it. It's sort of like their uh, religious um, location that they all try to visit. I mentioned this a little bit earlier to Shane when we were talking about some of the things that were coming that were new at White Metal Games. Mm. We talked about the Ogre Battle Tome that was coming out and how the Maw Strike, I mentioned to him that it sounded a lot like the Tunguska Meteor Strike in 1908. Hmm. Um, it sounded to me very much like that they were trying to model the Maw Strike on that event. That seems very likely from what I've read as well, uh, based on what you've told me, of course. Well, we'll end it here then. We were only going to do a short bit on lore about the ogres, but I may have you come in again to talk about other stuff later episodes. Is that okay? Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. All right. Well, we're done for right now. We'll be back after this. War Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts of role-playing games, games workshop-oriented wargaming, as well as model building and painting of all genres and types, and is a presentation of White Metal Games. You can find our video streams on Twitch and YouTube. You can also subscribe to our more premium video content, tutorials, and exclusives at whitemetalgames.com video membership. If we're on, you can even subscribe to our Discord server or Twitter and talk to us there. You can also visit our ongoing blog at whitemetalgames.com slash blog and our online store at whitemetalgames.com. You can also find our other stores on eBay, Etsy, and Shapeways for 3D printed content. And if you actually want to see some examples of our artists' work, you can have a look at photos by following us on Instagram, Flickr, and Tumblr. 
all of which you can find by clicking the handy buttons at the top of our website. If you'd like to support this podcast, do have a look at our Podbean patronage page at warcouncil.podbean.com, as well as patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash whitemetalgames. You can even donate directly through PayPal. That's paypal.me slash whitemetalgames. If you'd like to get in touch with us with comments or suggestions, please do. You can email us directly at info at whitemetalgames.com. Thanks for listening. So, shout-outs. We're not going to have too many of those, just a couple for right now, because we're kind of winding up the episode. Right now, we're going to make a shout-out to Mohawk Miniatures. Tell me about them. Yeah, I want to say a big hello to Jay over at Mohawk Miniatures. We've been friends with him online for a little while, but we've been really watching his his Twitch stream lately. He's got some really cool stuff that he does. Really yeah. great guy. Well-spoken, well-versed with a paintbrush. A little piece of chicken grease to Jay at Mohawk. And we want to say a huge happy 12th birthday to the Army Painter. Yeah, absolutely. We actually had Adam Abramowitz on last week with Caleb speaking for a little while about what they've got coming. That's right. That's right. And we actually just finished, as we are recording this, Army Painter, Adam and Army Painter are down at Warzone Atlanta with the display board. The one that Brian was working on. Correct. The display board that we did with them that they've been hyping this past week that I believe there's a YouTube video that's the Army Painter display board. You did a blog on it. I did a blog on it with all the pictures of Brian actually working on it. And and got a bit of an interview with Brian as to the process of it. Absolutely. That was the first half of that interview last week. And I'm sure once they get back home and settled in, uh, from Warzone Atlanta, we'll see a lot more video and pictures, you know, from from that board with actual minis on it, exactly. displaying what it's meant to be displaying. Exactly. So we want to give a big shout out to Jay and Mohawk Miniatures. Keep doing what you're doing, bro. We love you, and happy 12th birthday to the Army Painter. Happy and, birthday! And keep, please keep on with y'all's premium paints. We love them. That should about do it for War Council this week. Yep. As we are still planning the show for early December, we still haven't got quite what we're going to be doing there yet. We're still kind of developing our rock with Rack and Gog right now. It's going to kind of turn into a whole thing because we spent a lot of this afternoon, me and Shane here, talking about just where this is going to go. We've got ideas, and we want to go places with them. You might actually see some visual stuff from this as well. But... Like I said, that's it for this episode. My name's Edward Winterrose. I'm Shane, Mr. Meticulous Jenkins. And like I said before, be safe, roll crits. <laughs>